0: So we are going to be carrying on today with our grow-up series. Everybody's really excited that we're still in it. Woohoo! Everybody loves growing up. It's just been one of those like awesome. Yay! We get to keep on growing up. Um, and we have we have journeyed through. So for those of you maybe just catching up or have missed a bit, the grow-up series uh, is very much um, based around our verse for the year. Uh, half of which is dis- uh, displayed behind me, and and it's very much structured around the spiritual disciplines that actually for us to grow up to become more mature in Christ to become who we're called to be who you and I are called to be we need to be more disciplined Uh, and discipline isn't necessarily a word that we like Um, we may like disciplining others but not necessarily being disciplined ourselves but there is a sense that God is saying hey guys uh, to grow up you need to be more disciplined Now with that, uh, we've been using this awesome book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. Uh, I asked a few weeks for those of you who had bought it, has anybody actually started reading it? The answer then was no. Someone asked again to see, those of you who've bought it, have you started reading it? Hey, a few hands have gone up. There's like a hesitant, like a, I started, but I never finished. I started. and It is a bit of a hard read, but I do recommend it. Uh, It goes in really deep into that of the spiritual disciplines, pulls out loads of scriptures to tie in. But the way Foster kind of unpacks and separates the spiritual disciplines is that there's kind of three categories. There's the inward, the outward, and the corporate. Now, we've done the inward, and those inward were uh, meditation, prayer, fasting, and study, all of which we are diving into on a regular basis and really hammering home, right? Amazing. Uh, And then we had the outward disciplines, which were simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And again, so easy that we've just mastered those already. A little bit less confident on that one, okay. Um, but those are the eight that we've done so far. And now we transition into the last section, if you will, which are the corporate ones, the, the, the disciplines that are corporate in terms of the body, what we're called to be doing together. Um, and, and this first one is gonna seem like a weird one, but it's definitely corporate. And we'll unpack more of that. Today's discipline is that of confession. Now, some of you have automatically just went, no, I'm done confession, that means confessing of sins, that means you're gonna put me in a box, I'm gonna to speak to somebody, or you know, that's very Catholic, or no, I don't do that, or you, you want me to confess of my sins, I don't have any sins, I'm perfect, or, or confession is for other people, I don't share anything of myself. But I really want you to park whatever stigma of the word confession you have, park it on the side. Um, whatever baggage that you're carrying with the word confession, can I ask you to try and let go of it? Because again, with these disciplines, confession, like the others, is one that has kind of become a bad thing. Confession is often tied to that of confessing to a crime. You only confess if you've done something wrong, and we never do anything wrong. Ever. Perfect, us. So if you're the notebook person, pull it out. If you're the title person, here you go. Confession time. Let's get hot. Some of y'all are already confused, don't understand. It'll make sense. Um, But this is gonna be an opportunity for you to walk around going, hey, guess what? I'm hot. And own it and believe it. And if you're thinking, oh, are we talking about physical appearance? Not at all. But it is something I hopefully will help you to remember what we're called to do, who we're called to be as we confess. So I wanna wanna share with you first uh, a a story. Um, I must have been maybe 11 years old. Um, I believe my sister was born, so I'm I'm 10 years older than my sister, 12 years older than my brother. I was the only child for pretty much 10 years, and um, I I, I think she may have been born, if not, I was 10, 11, around that, that doesn't matter, but I was young, and I was hanging out uh, at a barbecue for my dad's friends and colleagues from work or something like that, and I was the eldest kid there by like at least six years, which at that age is like an eternity. I was the coolest, oldest, most mature person ever, and I was bored out of my mind, um, there was loads of kids. They were all just really young and boring. And I was like, how do I, how do I have fun? How do I distract myself? Because I'm not going to play these little silly kid games that they're playing. And the house that we were in, I was living in Ecuador at the time. We were in the capital Quito. And it's a weird uh, city, the capital. It's, it's very much a valley surrounded by mountains. And so you kind of have houses built on all sorts of different kind of cliff faces and sides. And so This house, the entrance, you walk in flat, but if you go to the back garden, there's this massive like 40-foot drop to the street. So it's like this massive stone wall. It was beautiful, but huge garden. That makes sense in a second. So I am there in the back garden, incredibly bored, and I'm starting to walk around, and I found this metal pole about my height. Now, I was shorter then, so, you know, about there. And I was like, "This this is it. This is my entertainment. That pole is a javelin. And so I decided that from that moment on, I was just gonna stand and just start chucking this pole. And obviously, it was perfectly soaring through the air and it was landing in the ground. It was beautiful. It would stand up every single time. I was like, look at that. This attracted attention. Because all the little kids thought I was the coolest person there, obviously, you know, me walking around. And they're like, oh, what's going on? So I told them and I explained, and I didn't let them throw it because I was being cautious and wise. You can't throw the javelin, only only me because I'm bigger. And I threw this javelin again and again, and it was like farther and farther, stabbing into the ground. It was amazing. I was like, yes. And then suddenly, I was like, watch this. I get the longest one ever, and I chuck it as far as I can. It soars through the air, doesn't go into the ground. Instead, bounces and does like pirouettes and flips and hits a window in the house and just smashes it massively. Not even like a little bit of a smash, but like shh whole, dramatic, and I started panicking. I started panicking, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, find. My, my parents are gonna kill me. I can't be that kid. So then what did I do? I confessed, of course. No, I didn't confess. That would have been the smart thing to do. I then thought, how do I get away with this? So I grabbed a rock and I gingerly threw the rock into the space and said, right, that rock looks like it could have broken that glass, cool. Now, who threw the rock? And all the little kids around me were going, not me. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't blame you all. So then I looked over this massive wall that had a road beneath it and there was a bus stop below it. There was people there and I was like, I know. It was a rogue bus stop person that decided to throw a rock over the wall, across the garden and into the glass. And that's what I went with. And you know what's hilarious? They bought it. Every adult was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I don't know who it was. Stupid people, but they threw a rock, and I convinced all these little kids to lie with me. They all said, Yeah, it was a rock, the guy, because again, I was the coolest person there was. I thought I'd gotten away with it. It was amazing. Months later, and I'm talking like months, like maybe three, four, five, six months later, my dad walks into the house after a day at work and says, Adrian! I'm like, Oh my days, you've only just gone home. I'm like, what? I haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Yes, Dad. So you remember that barbecue we went to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me again what happened. I'm, I'm like, man, I'm in, I'm in it. I'm in it. This is this could be an opportunity to confess, but no, 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 no. I'm in too deep. So I go through the whole story. Oh, I was, you know, this rock gets thrown across, and da, da, da. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single one of the kids has told their parents that it was you. They're lying, Dad. They're obviously lying. I got caught. I got absolutely caught. Now, why do I share that silly story of me being a kid? Is because even from children, the idea of confessing to something is petrifying. And that fear never leaves us. I can promise you that when you get caught doing something wrong, whether it be an accident or not, there's like a hot feeling that kind of hits your stomach. Some of us might even go, I don't know that I can handle it. Depending on even who we have to confess to, some people are easier to confess to than others. You know, if you have your best friend, your, your, your partner, your, your, your kids, your, your family, your parents, maybe that's a little bit easier now as adults. But there are some people that confessing to is really hard to do. So confessing, confession has always been seen and probably still is by some of us as a bad thing. Who did this? Not Not me. It automatically puts a fear in us. But that's not how it's meant to be. Confession is supposed to be a good thing. Confession, we see biblically, is something we're called to do because it helps us to grow up. I've got two readings for us this morning. The first one is 1 John 1, 5 through 10. I want to read this and then I going to read the second and we're going to unpack a little bit and go from there. 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says this. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. This is John writing, and he's talking about the message that he's heard from Jesus. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. Second reading, James 5, 13 through six. Some of your brains are going crazy. Hold on, what was that one, John? We'll we'll come through, don't worry. James 5, 13 through six says this. Is anyone... And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, all of our brains have gone in completely different directions, I can promise, because there's so much in those scriptures. But there's a few things that God has laid on my heart that we're gonna dive into about confession. And I guess the starting point comes to really say that the discipline of confession, I guess, is this. To confess, we must first have recognized that we have sinned. Now, that sounds super blatantly obvious. I mean, again, 1 John 1 verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Like, it's simple. We have to recognize that we have sinned. Now, the thing is that there's something in us that goes, well, sin is a bad word. (laughs) So me, nope. Nope, I haven't sinned, me. No, 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 no. No, no, but, but if you claim that you haven't sinned, you're deceiving yourself because you have. And the thing is that there's no way of sugarcoating talking about sin. There's no way of saying, oh, we're sinners and it's, it's dandy and glow." Like it's, it's not because sin is rubbish. Sin is what separates us from God. Like sin is literally what keeps us from being with God, hearing God, connecting with God, Sin cannot be in the presence of, and so we kind of go, hold on, sin is terrible. It's worse than possibly what we can imagine. And yet there's that moment of recognizing that we are in fact sinners. Now the thing is, we love to say we're sinners saved by grace. Absolutely we're saved by grace, by the grace of God. Amen to that. But it has to start with a recognition that we are sinners. We have to recognize that we have messed up, that we have not lived perfect lives. And the thing is that this can be really both easy and hard, right? It's really easy when we talk general. Yes, I'm a sinner me, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Tick, I've said it. You heard me say it. You've heard me say that I'm a sinner. But where it's hard is where I stop talking generally. And I don't talk about we are sinners. I talk about I'm a sinner. And I start start talking about the general sin of like, oh, it could be this. And I start talking about me. Actually, this is my sin. This is when I got angry and literally so riled up that all I wanted to do was punch someone. But Adrian, that's not you. No, it's not, but that's the sin in me. This is when on a late night, rather than just going to sleep, I opened up the fridge and stuffed my face. Why? Because I'm sinning. Those are the uncomfortable moments. Those are the moments that we don't talk about because I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's okay, he's covered it. No, hold on. We need to own our rubbish. We need to recognize that we in fact have sinned. And the thing is that that sounds like one of those things that's like literally from the front, who are you to tell me that I'm a sinner? How dare you? That's so judgmental of you, Adrian we're just deflecting from the truth and the reality that we're broken. We're broken. And sometimes, sometimes they're quite easy to say, well, yeah, I'm not perfect, but my sins are small sins. Like I'm not killing anybody. I haven't murdered anybody. So it's okay, right? Like, like it's just a small one. It's just a little tiny itty bitty sin. We don't have to talk about that one, really. Is that what the Bible says? I'm pretty sure the Bible says, repent of your sins. Not not the big ones. It says, hold on. Recognize that you are a sinner, that you're broken. Now, some of us at this point are like losing all hope. We're like, oh, flipping heck, Adrian. I came to church to be encouraged and built up and, and hopefully you will be, but we have to start from a reality point of we are broken. It's not about dwelling in that. It's about recognizing. And see, part of recognizing that we have sinned is to also recognize that Jesus' death on the cross was for everything. So Jesus took the cross not just for that one moment of our lives, but for every moment. So often we talk about like that moment of salvation. The moment I realize and recognize who Jesus is, that he gave his life for me, he paid the price once and for all. Amen, hallelujah, I'm saved. I mean, yes, Jesus took the cross for that moment. But he also took the cross for every moment after that when I fall short. Jesus took the cross, yes, for that moment, but for every other moment. We, for some reason, get lost in this truth. He's my Lord and Savior. He's done it. Saved me once, done, sorted. Hate to break it to you. You need saving daily. I hate to break it to you. He literally needs to be the one you cry out to to save you every moment. I mean, the scripture teaches that some of our thoughts are sin, right? Like those are really hard because nobody has to know those. Nobody knows my thoughts unless I open my mouth. But I can think whatever I want, y'all would have no idea. But my thoughts can be sinful, (laughs) And so, actually, even for those moments, I need to recognize that the cross, he did it for me. Like there is, there is a hope, there is a way, but I need to recognize what he's done. I need to recognize his death and his resurrection for, yes, my salvation of that moment when I came to faith and I declare that he is my Lord and Savior, but also for every other moment after. So often we hold on to the cross for that moment. Oh, when I came out, grew up in church, or I had a moment, it was a burning, but whatever it was, it was oh, that, the, the moment I realized, great, it was awesome. That's what he did it for, that I would have eternal life. Because we all know the scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believed in him, not die, but have eternal life. Oh, we know it, but then we think that the cross is just about the eternal life bit. The, 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 the cross isn't for now, the cross is for then. No, the cross is for now, The cross is for every single one of our rubbish moments. We go, Lord, I'm so sorry. The reason we're called to pick up our cross daily and to die to self is guess what? That rubbish, sinful stuff in us has to die on a daily basis. But we need to recognize that we're sinful and allow the work of the cross to work in us every day. I know that's heavy. (laughs) In one sense, it's really simple, like, duh, but in another sense, in practice, you're like, hold on a second. And now you're thinking, well, hold, what, what does that mean? What does that have to do with, with confession? <laughs> like, what, what are we talking about? And the, and the thing is, again, 1 John 1, verse 5, it says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, that in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So he, he does it on the cross. His blood purifies it like it's biblical. But we need to bring him all of our stuff, all of our sin, everything. Foster says this, and I think he really, really quite amazingly lays it out like this. It says, the person who has known forgiveness and release from persistent nagging habits of sin through private confession should rejoice greatly in this evidence of God's mercy. But there are others for whom this has not happened. Let me describe what it is like. We have prayed, even begged for for forgiveness. And though we hope we have been forgiven, we sense no release. We doubt our forgiveness and despair at our confession. We fear that perhaps we have made confession only to ourselves and not to God. The haunting sorrows and hurts of the past have not yet been healed. We try to convince ourselves that God forgives only the sin. He does not heal the memory. But deep within our being, we know there must be something more. People have told us to to take our forgiveness by faith and not to call God a liar, not wanting to call God a liar. We do our best to take it by faith, but because misery and bitterness remain in our lives, we again despair. Eventually, we begin to believe either that forgiveness is only a ticket to heaven and not meant to affect our lives now, or that we are not worthy of the forgiving grace of God. Those uh, Those who in some small way identify with these words can rejoice, We have not exhausted our resources nor God's grace when we have tried private confession. In the book of Common Prayer, following the call of self-examination and repentance, we read these encouraging words. "If There be any of you who by this means cannot quiet his own conscience herein, but require further comfort or counsel, let him come to me or to some other minister of God's word and open his grief. God has given us brothers and sisters to stand in Christ's stead and make God's presence and forgiveness real to us. Because you see, we recognize that there's freedom and forgiveness in confession. So often we've made confession a thing that we sit in a quiet, darkened room and do by ourselves between us and God, but there's something so powerful when we verbalize it out of our mouths to somebody else. And 1 John 1 again, but if we walk in the light, he is... In the light we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of His Son Jesus purifies us from all sin. In James 5, and, and the prayer offered with, uh, it, the prayer uh, offered in faith will make the sick person well. the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. There is forgiveness, there is freedom as we confess. There is freedom as we share. There is something powerful in confessing what we're carrying recognizing that there's a brokenness in us, recognizing that we need to do something about it, recognizing that, yes, Jesus has taken the cross for us, but that we need to share. When, uh, when, when huh, we have been married for a couple of years, pause, this is a real story. This could be a bit intense. Just letting you know, it's real life. It's my real life, but it's real. If you want to talk about it after, if anything triggers, do have a chat with me or somebody else. It may not, but it may. Unpause. Um, When I was a younger person, um, high school, one of the things that became very popular among our generation, uh, mainly men at the time, but that has changed statistically to men and women, was that of pornography. Pornography was a big deal. It was a big thing. Um, if you actually do check out the polls, most young people learn what they know about sex, not from the sex ed classes in school, but from pornography, which is really unhealthy. And pornography became something that I took part in. It became something that kind of was part of life every day. And I remember that when I married Amanda, when I started dating Amanda and then got engaged, there was there was no need for that. I had no desire that anymore because actually I knew that Amanda was going to be my wife and she was going to be the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. So there was this like joy in my life. That I was like, you know what? That's replaced it. So suddenly I kind of felt like, not that I was ever addicted, but anything that I ever struggled with in terms of pornography was gone. It was lifted off of me. Done. Sorted. But then life hits. And uh, about a year into our marriage, Amanda found out she was pregnant. <laughs> and Amanda struggles with hyperemesis. And was really, really ill, so we had a really difficult nine months of pregnancy, and then she had Lilia, uh, our most amazing first daughter, and that first six months of that, so nine months and six months were, were challenging in terms of myself and my wife being intimate. And suddenly these desires were thrown into my life again. I was doing some youth work at the time and we were actually doing like anti-porn awareness. If that made you like, kind of like, hey, this is not the way to do it. We were kind of helping people recognize that pornography was really bad, where was really addictive and the effects it had on you. And for some reason, that like opened a door up and suddenly I was like, this is my way out. And I'll never forget that it, it got to, like it wasn't crazy long. It wasn't, I didn't dive in, I didn't get lost in it, but there was this such a powerful desire. And, and I Open Openness, conversation, transparent here. There were, I'd visited websites. I'd dived into it, but I felt so much heaviness because I knew that what I was doing was wrong. I knew that what I was doing was against my wife, against God, and I'll never forget, we were driving back, Amanda and I, and it was just Lilia, baby Lilia in the backseat, and we literally pulled up in front of our house, and I said, I need to talk to you. And she's like, uh-oh, this is serious. I literally just shared, I was like, I am struggling and this has become a thing for me. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not addicted, I'm not lost, but the temptation has been great. And I've fought the temptation in left, right, and center, but I'm really struggling. And Amanda was what I would say we should all be, gracious and receiving. She could have been angry. She, could, she had every right to be disgusted. She had every right to shout at me and scream. And she said, you know what? We're all broken. Fine. How do we move out of that? And you know what's amazing? That since that moment, not a moment later, since that moment, it's never been an issue again. Ever. I've never jumped onto a website going, oh, let me sneakily check something. I openly say, you can check my history. You can check everything. You can take my laptops. If you're that deep diving kind of human being that can like find the hidden cookies behind the hidden things and the things I don't understand that it's all there because there's nothing private on the internet. There's nothing private on your computer. Believe it or not, someone can access it. You can do that and there's nothing for you to find. And I say that proudly, but not because of like, oh, I'm just so awesome. But because actually God by his spirit release me from something. And the moment that it happened was when I confessed. The power of confession. And, and still to this day, Amanda and I have conversations. Like if there's ever like a moment, she's like, you are all right? It's, I'm like, not at all, not a question at all. Like, and it's a thing that, and, and early on, after it wasn't, a pro- it wasn't a problem, I remember saying to him, like, why do you keep on asking me about this? Like, we're done. Like I said, it was sorted. And she's like, yeah, but I don't want you to go back. I want you to know that you can always talk to me. I want you to know that if it's a thing you're struggling with, I'm here. And the thing is, that particular sin is one of the most common hidden sins of the world right now. 79% of 18 to 30-year-olds, 67% of 31 to 49-year-olds, and 49% of 50 to 68-year-olds say that they view porn at least as a minimum once a month. That's men. Some of you are thinking, well, what about the women? (laughs) 76% of 18 to 30s, 16% of 31 to 49s, and 4% of 50 to 68. Might be smaller, but it's still there. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's non-Christians. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they watch porn at least once a month statistically, and this might hurt some of us, statistically, many of us on a regular basis dive into that sin. Now, I'm not, tonight, today's not a talk about that sin. It's not, but it's one of the private things that we can, oh, nobody knows that. It's just me in my my room with my iPad, with my phone, with my whatever. But it's a real thing. Some of us right now are battling with that. For some of us, it isn't pornography. For some of us, it's an addiction to something else alcohol, painkillers, spending money on Amazon. That sounds flippant, but that's a real addiction. There are people who have literally lost everything that they have because they're spending money regularly because I can get it tomorrow. What have you bought? This random can opener. Don't you have a can opener? Yes, I have seven. Why do you need another? Because it's really cool and I can get it tomorrow. That's an addiction. That's sinful, that's sin. But we don't call it, because it's not a big one. Addiction to, to, to pornography, well, the scriptures are very specific about sexual immorality. That's good. Alcoholism, that's in there. Actually, there's loads of stuff. And Confession is part of it. There's freedom and forgiveness in confession. The freedom I experienced in that moment, still to this day, I have. The forgiveness that I experienced, not just from God because I was part of it, that he said, Adrian, you are such an idiot, but I still love you and I forgive you. Let's not do that again. But the forgiveness from my wife, who had every right to be so angry, but chose to forgive. There's freedom and forgiveness in confession. But to confess, we have to be hot. And this is where we can genuinely claim to be hot. We are hot people. And by hot, I mean honest, open, and transparent. H-O-T, honest, open, transparent. That sounds so basic and so simple. But if we are genuinely honest with ourselves, if we are genuinely honest with God, and if we're genuinely honest with each other, if we're genuinely open, and it almost feels like, I mean, you can't really say that we're ought, right? Like O-H-T, because you've got to be willing to be open first. And openness is probably the, the, the starting difficulty because for, for me to say, hey, you need to be open means that you need to turn to the people around you and openly say, I got to talk to you about my rubbish. How many are you willing to do that with? Probably None. If you're, if you're lucky enough, blessed enough to have someone who you call your best friend, whether that be a partner, whether that be a, your sister, or whatever, you might turn to them and say, I trust you, I wanna be open with you. But I promise you that most of us in this room you are not open with. I promise you. Oh, we're good brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? We love one another, we walk it together. So how's your day? Great, me, fine, absolutely fine. Dandy, all is good. Really? Yeah. How have you fallen short? Me, fall short, not at all, I'm good. Nothing to fall short with. We need to be open. (laughs) We need to be open with one another. And it might start with, how are you doing? You really wanna know? Yes, I do. Honestly, rubbish. Because once we open up, we then have to be honest. (laughs) We have to be honest with how we are doing with what we're struggling with. We have to be honest with everything that we're going through. We have to be honest, even with the not so pretty things. Because we're really good about being honest with the good Oh, God did this, it's amazing. God did that and the other. And All glory to God, honestly, it was amazing. Awesome, keep those moments. But let's also be honest where I am actually broken and sinful and need to confess and need to be released. And I'm actually wallowing in pain because I don't know what else to do. And don't get me wrong, that's not gonna be every season of every day for every single one of us. There are gonna be times I'm like, how are you genuinely really well? Well, praise God. And in my honesty, I tell you, things are awesome. But one thing I can tell you is, Adrian, 100% in my openness and my honesty, and I've talked about this before, in my transparency, I am not gonna be 100% until my physical body changes that isn't because I'm trying to be hot physically. That's because actually that is one of my biggest sins. Gluttony. And I know that some of us struggle with it and some of us, oh, you're not big. You're just big boned. Rubbish, I'm not big boned, I'm fat. I mean, it is what it is. And I only got that way because I have sinned. I can tell you of the times when like literally emotionally I've gone to, because part of my role is to uh, pick up stuff from m and for the food project. And I can tell you the times when I've literally been there loading stuff up and gone, oh, M&S donuts. Right there. It's about reducing food waste. I can help reduce food waste. (laughs) Really good at reducing food waste. And I'd be lying to you if I said I've never eaten something and not told Amanda or not told me. Of course, I've been like... (laughs) oh yeah, there was loads of stuff. What did you, what did, oh yeah, loads of stuff. Do you have anything? No. So not only have I then been gluttonous, but I then lied. And I, and, and, I, and, I, and I share this because as I'm trying to be transparent with you, this is not a thing that is just y'all have to work on. Because if we're gonna be honest, open and transparent, we need to be able to come to one another and say, hold on a second. Just because I'm a pastor of a church doesn't mean I'm any more holy than you. Just because I'm a pastor of a church doesn't mean that you have to pedestal me. No, I'm human and I have to be honest and open and transparent with you. Of all my rubbish, and you have to be honest and open and transparent with me. Not because you're a pastor, but because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And the way we do that is by confessing. Don't get me wrong, it's scary. Like, ah, what, what, if, what if they think something less of me? I, I shared with Amanda that I was gonna share that story with y'all. So she knew, don't worry. But her first reaction was, are you sure? And I went, well, yeah. But her, I'm, are you sure, wasn't about y'all. It was because actually as a minister, I can be let go by the BU if I am displaying, I think they call it actions of gross misconduct, of which pornography is one. Now, hear me clearly before any of y'all get any ideas. It is not a problem, it is not an issue. If you wanna get rid of me from here, you gotta find another way. It isn't gonna be from gross misconduct and addiction to pornography. But Amanda was worried that, well, it's online. What if someone hears it? What if someone takes it out of context? What if somebody misquotes you? What if somebody mishears you now and goes and says something? We might, you might lose your call, your position. You might, perhaps, if, if, if the enemy wants to come after me that way, go on. then. But in being open, honest, transparent, I need to be, I need to be who I am. Thank you. <laughs> but we need to be open, honest, and transparent. And that means that it might be scary. You might be like, "I can't be open at work. I can't be honest at work. I can't be transparent at work." Yes, you can, because that's who you've called, who you're called to be. Oh, I, I can't tell the person next to me how I really feel. Yes, you can, because that's what we're called to do. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely but I promise you, I promise you that we are gonna have such freedom, such growth, such release as we confess to one another, as we stop painting this perfect picture of who we are, which is fake. Social media has done us such a disservice. We put out to the world this beautiful, perfect house that looks clean, looks like it smells amazing, it's beautiful, not a thing is in, not a thing's out of place. Social media has made us to believe that we have to look a certain way. It's rubbish, y'all. But we've bought into it. Even if we're not on it, the world that we're a part of has bought into it and we go, well, okay, I guess this is how I gotta look. This is how my house has gotta look. This is Really? I'm pretty sure Jesus is more concerned about you and your soul than what your house looks like. I'm pretty sure Jesus is more concerned about the crap that you're battling on the inside than whether or not you put makeup on today. He's more concerned about actually, are you being honest and real? Are you confessing your sins? Because the, the, the funny thing is that God knows. Like God knows it. There's nothing that you do or think or look at or not that God doesn't know. But there's a power when we say, God I know you know, but this is where I'm struggling. And then he says, great, now go tell somebody else. Joe, this is where I'm struggling, man. And you know what? I'm struggling so much that I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to call me. I need you to be someone I can call it, like, in that moment. I, I, that's a lot to ask, I know, but we are called to do it. People come to me as a pastor and, and, and oftentimes they go, I'm so sorry that, that, I've, that you've had to help me. I'm so sorry that you, I'm like, why, why? Why are you sorry? Like, this is what I'm called to do, not as a pastor, but as a Christian. Like, that is what we're called to do. You and me, we're called to hear one another, to journey with one another, to be real with one another. We're called to be hot. I don't know about you, but I want to be hot. I wanna be honest. I wanna be open. I wanna be transparent. I don't wanna be fearful of what you might think of me or what somebody else might think. I just wanna walk through life going, I'm gonna be hot. I'm gonna be open. I'm gonna be honest, transparent, because you know what? It's ultimately Jesus that I'm looking at. It's his opinion of me that I care about. And if some of y'all dislike me for today, I'm really sorry. Let's have a coffee and talk about it. But I'm called to be open, honest, and transparent. So many of us, choose to close down. So many of us choose to give half-truths. I'll give you an honest answer to an extent, but I don't know that you can handle my full truth, so I'll give you half-truth. No, 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 that's not truth. Give me the truth. Give each other the truth. Yeah. The next thing we see is that we have to be hot with God as well as with each other. Kind of spoken on that, but Again, God knows. In Acts 3, 19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Again, we see in our today, one of today's scriptures, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. We, we, we see there's there, a call in scripture for us to be open, honest, transparent, to be hot with God. And I know that sounds ridiculous because he already knows, yes, but we have to claim it. We have to speak it. It isn't just enough to say, oh, God, you know my stuff. (laughs) God, this is my stuff. We have to be it with one another. We have to learn to confess. And the reason it's a discipline is because it doesn't come easy. None of the disciplines do. But man, it's powerful. And the reason confession is corporate is because it's not just between you and God. You can might be saying that, oh, but I confess every day. Every day I pray and I repent of my sins and I'm great and I'm dandy. Me and God are solid. Confess your sins to one another. Have to be hot with one another. And then we realize that confession is not just a one-time deal, it's continual. <laughs> Again, this sounds so obvious. but we are not perfect. I don't care if you've been a Christian your whole life. I don't care if you've memorized the scriptures in, in King James and in NIV and ESV in the original Greek and the original Hebrew. I don't care that you've taught on it. I don't care that you've lived in it and been immersed in it. You are still not perfect. And if you're not perfect, it means that there's sin in your life. Because the only perfect one that has ever walked this earth was Jesus. And he was sinless. Amen to that, but he is the only one. And so while we are still imperfect, we still have to recognize that we need to keep on confessing. Now, hopefully our confessions are different every time. Hopefully I'm not coming to Joe every time going, hey, this is my issue, this is my issue. Oh, by the way, we prayed through, we walked through it. By the way, this is, hopefully I'm growing and I'm strengthened by God and his spirit. But perhaps it might be the same for a little bit. Perhaps it might be like, you know how we thought we had it? I, I, need, I need to call you again because I, I've fallen, because I'm broken, because I'm sinful. And yes, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but God's grace is also manifest through his people and his people are gonna be with me as I share with them, as I'm hot with them. I can receive God's grace as well. Some of us like to walk around going, I'm fine. I'm sorted. I'm not a sinner, but you are. It's okay though, we all are. And we're saved by his grace. But we gotta keep on going. The cross, again, did it not just for the one moment, but for every moment. So as we walk through life, then you can come up. This is the the moment where everybody goes, woo-hoo, again. As we walk through life, recognizing our brokenness, recognizing that we need Jesus, not just for that one moment, but for every moment, we also have to recognize that he's put people around us. Why am I so adamantly repetitive about saying, guess what? You're stuck with me. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether you like me or not, if you love Jesus, I love Jesus. Ta-da, we're family. And some of y'all are like, woo Others are like, oh, anybody but Adrian. <laughs> He's just so loud and annoying. Anybody else? Anybody else, God, but not him. But guess what? Because we're family, we have to be hot together. We have to confess our stuff. And part of that is also for us to learn how to receive that stuff. Like when somebody sits down in front of you and says, hey, guess what? I'm addicted to this. You gotta go, what you did? You what? Is not the reaction that we give. We need to learn how to be gracious in our responses as Jesus is with us. I am so sorry that you're going through that. I can't even imagine. Or you know what? I can because I was there. Or you know what? I can't, but I know somebody who can. Either way, let's journey it together. Let's be hot. Now, this is where the real challenge comes because you know what? You've you've put up with a sermon. You've heard it. Great. You might just be thinking, I'm gonna grab a coffee and a biscuit soon and this will be done. The real challenge comes, are you willing to be hot with one another? I was this close, and, and God hasn't told me to do it. So I, felt it was, I thought it was a God thing, but it was very, very much an Adrian thing, which is why I'm not doing it. I was this close to saying, the band's gonna sing a song, and you guys are gonna talk to each other. And you're gonna be hot. You're gonna be honest, open, transparent. I was gonna tell you right now to like, literally confess anything that is on your heart, anything that is on your shoulders. And I haven't felt God prompt me to do that, so I'm not doing it. <laughs> because some of y'all, because some of y'all are exactly like that. Some of y'all are just gonna be like, No. Nope, walls up, not gonna do it. Adrian, I don't care what you say, not gonna do it. And the thing is, again, I'm not gonna force you and neither is Jesus, which is why I'm not forcing it. But I am gonna say, and then you're gonna hear me say it again, and I'm gonna repeat it every time I talk about it. You have to, maybe not right now in this moment, maybe not right now in this context, but you have to. You have to confess. You have to be hot. And for some of you right now, maybe it's boiling up. Maybe you have to right now in this moment, go for it. Like if God is saying you gotta confess to something and you wanna come to the front and like cry it out and have someone pray for you, come to the front. By all means, be led by God. But whether you do it now or over coffee or in 20 minutes, an hour, tomorrow, you have to confess not just to God in your quiet time but to your community to the people who love you who are around you so we're going to sing a couple of songs and I'm, I'm I I again if God calls something on me then I'll I'll share it but right now there's no pressure to confess other than to say you have to at some point and so, if God is stirring it up, if His Holy Spirit is saying to you, actually, Adrian, I need to talk to somebody, maybe it's confess something that you've said about somebody or done to somebody, maybe it is you just need to come to the front and confess all your sin and want somebody to pray with you, that's fine. Come on, do it. We can stand, we can kneel, we can cry. Like it's beautiful because God will meet us in that place. But equally, if you're not there yet, that's okay. But no, you do have to. Let's pray.